You can go ahead and be seated. Well, today, uh, I want to start off by answering perhaps the most common question I get as the pastor of this church. And that question is this. Why don't you like cats? <laughs> it's not that I'm afraid of cats, and I'm not against you if you like cats. I just don't like cats. Because for me, and I'm sure it's way different for your cat, and no, I don't want to meet your cat or see a picture of them following the service, but for me, it's just, it seems like with cats, you never know what they want. They like you, then they don't like you. They need you, then they don't need you. They're cute and cuddly one moment, then they literally want to cuss you out the next moment. It's like owning a teenager with claws, right? On top of that, it just seems like that if a cat had the ability, they would kill you. <laughs> now, I know that's extreme, okay? But with that in mind, you won't be surprised why a, a, a USA Today news article online stood out to me. Notice the headline of this article. Your cat may want to kill you, study says. <laughs> well, tell me more. So that whole article, by the way, it's a real news article, the whole article is based on a study done in the Journal of Comparative Psychology. And these psychologists got together and they compared the personalities of house cats to four different types of wild cats, including African lions. What they found was that a domestic house cat has a similar personality to an African lion with high tendencies towards domination, dominance, impulsiveness, neuroticism, and aggression. <laughs> Big surprise. And an actual professional psychologist in the article was stated by saying this. If you ever thought your cat was anxious, insecure, tense, suspicious, or aggressive towards you, you aren't making it up. If they were bigger, they would probably consider killing you. <laughs> so why don't I like cats? Because they want to take my life. And some of you are thinking, why are you starting with this? Because as the pastor, it is my obligation to pass on truth to our congregation. <laughs> Can I get a witness up in here? That's not why. Here's why. We're in week number two of a sermon series called Why? And we're walking through in this four-week series why we exist as a church. Why is a powerful question. The answer to it uh, has the potential to change everything. Uh, with, with cats, uh, the why might describe the, uh, the background behind my behavior or belief. With a church, it might describe the motivation behind the mission. And while cats don't have anything to do with the mission or vision of our church, for me, the reason why I don't like cats in a similar but opposite way is one of the main reasons why I love Jesus. And that actually has a lot to do with the vision of our church. But before I kind of tell you what all that means and kind of connect the dots, which I will do, I promise, I do need to introduce myself to those of you who are new. If you don't know, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here. And whether you agree with me on cats or not, I am so excited uh, that you are here. That goes for everyone who's here, by the way, including anyone joining us on video today or sometime uh, later online. As I said, I don't like cats for two reasons. I never know what they want and they want to take my life. But similarly, 
One of the main reasons why I love Jesus is because unlike cats, we don't ever have to wonder how Jesus feels about us, what he expects from us, or what he wants to do for us. In fact, the very first part of our vision here at Element comes straight from the heart, the desire, and the mouth of Jesus himself. Our vision in the statements on the screens, we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships and make a lasting impact. And the reason the first part of our vision is about experiencing life to its fullest is because according to Jesus, that was also his vision for all of us. In John chapter 10, the apostle uh, disciple John records Jesus saying this in verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, or in other words, my vision for everyone is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other versions say abundant life or life to the what? Full. Life to the full. We, we are all about helping people experience life because Jesus is about helping people experience life. And not just life, but life to the full, abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. Who doesn't want that, right? Like even if you're here and you don't believe in Jesus, you don't believe in God, you would even say, I want to live a full life. Which, by the way, if, if that's you, if you are here and, and you don't believe, uh, my words today may not convince you uh, to put your faith in the life that Jesus gives. And even if it doesn't, our love for you will never change. And you're welcome to continue uh, being a part of our church. And yes, I, I'd be lying if I didn't tell you, I would love to convince a few people today uh, to put their faith in Jesus and experience the life that he gives. But my main goal today is not to convince anyone to put their faith in Jesus. My main goal today, though, is to be clear about this life that Jesus gives. Because, here's the big idea for today. It's on the screen if you want to write it down. If I misunderstand the life Jesus gives, I will miss out on the life he wants me to live. I got to understand it. So if I misunderstand the life he gives, I'll miss out on the life he wants me to live. That's why I want to be clear today more than convincing. So that leads to our big question we've got to try to answer today. What should I understand about the life that Jesus gives? What should I understand about the life Jesus gives? The main scripture today is John chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1 and read all the way through, not all of it together, but we're going to end in verse 10 where we kind of started uh, just a moment ago. John is the fourth book in the New Testament portion of the Bible. We will be putting all the verses on the screens here. So if you didn't bring a Bible with you, if you don't own one, uh, you can follow along on the screens. And we give Bibles away for free. So if you need a Bible before you go today, just ask for one out in the lobby and we'll get you one. A little bit of background here to where we're kind of walking in. because We're walking into the middle of a conflict. Uh, in John chapter 10, Jesus is speaking to a crowd that included some angry Pharisees. Pharisees were the Jewish religious leaders in the days of Jesus. They believed themselves to be spiritually superior to everyone else, that they alone 
were the gatekeepers to God's spiritual law and God's spiritual life. And, and unless you followed every detail of the law as they desired for you to, you were not given access to God or to God's temple. Somewhere along the way, these Pharisees lost sight of the love of God and focused solely on the laws of God, of which they had 613 laws that they wanted you to follow exactly as they defined those laws. For instance, in John chapter 9, one chapter to where we are right now, these Pharisees were furious at Jesus for breaking the law that said you should not work on the Sabbath day. And what did Jesus do that they believed broke the law? It was something horrendous. He healed a blind man. He literally gave sight to a man who had been born blind. But because these Pharisees said that healing requires work, because they believed they were the gatekeepers of the spiritual law and spiritual life, they accused Jesus of breaking the Sabbath law. And because he broke the Sabbath law, he surely could not be from God, let alone be the way to God or the way to experience life. So Jesus takes this opportunity to correct them, and he gives them this teaching in John 10, starting in verse 1. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Which, by the way, we won't, we won't read it, but in verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. He actually makes seven different I am statements in John. Two of them we'll see in this passage. Verse 3. The gatekeeper, which is not the Pharisees, by the way, is what he was saying. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, which is very encouraging to this pastor that if people don't understand Jesus sometimes, they may not understand me either, so that's very helpful for me. So he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. Here's the second I am statement we're going to see. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. He was basically calling the Pharisees thieves and robbers, which, big surprise, they did not like Jesus. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, he says again, I am the gate. And now here's the kicker. Those who come in through me will be what? Saved. saved. And saved from what? From sin. And why is this so important? Because everyone has sinned. Everyone. And our sin results in spiritual death and eternal separation from God if it's not dealt with. And the bad news is we can't do anything on our own to deal with that sin. We can't work hard enough, pay enough money, or do enough good deeds to solve the sin problem, to create spiritual life in 
ourselves. That's the bad news. The great news is, since God loved us so much, he came to us to solve the problem in the form of a man, Jesus, God in the flesh. He came as one of us. He modeled a perfect life for us. He died because of us on the cross, paying the price for our sins. Three days later, he rose victorious so that any one of us, by faith in Jesus, can come to the Father through the gate and we will be saved. We sang it, we sang it earlier. Raised to life is what happens, that our dead hearts of sin can only be made alive through the life that Jesus gives. And this is so important, okay? This is everything, okay? Now, we can reject that. We, we don't have to believe this. But if we misunderstand the life Jesus gives, we will miss out on the life he wants us to live. So what should we understand about the life Jesus gives? Number one, and probably most importantly, is this. It's available to anyone, but only through one. It's available to anyone. And that might be the greatest news of all time. That no matter who you are and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've come from and no matter what you have believed, all are welcome with Jesus. All are welcome with Jesus. That, that everyone can believe in Jesus and anyone can belong to Jesus. That is the heartbeat behind one of our core values that we hold to here at Element. It's called a place to call home. That we will love people for who they are so we can lead them to where they need to be. That as long as I am the pastor here, we will continue to be a place where everyone belongs. And we are going to be that kind of church because that's the kind of savior we follow. Everyone belongs. But listen, here's where it starts to get conflicting. While everyone might belong, Jesus is very clear there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way. There's no getting around that. We, we, we love the idea of eternal life and life to the full being available to everyone. Man, we applaud that. We, we celebrate that. And make no mistake about it. It is available to anyone and, and everyone. The, the problem occurs for some people when we limit that life through only one, as I have suggested already, and really as Jesus taught. If you're a believer right now in the room, I hope this will bring some maybe some tools for you to help to maybe defend your faith a little bit. If you're not a believer, uh, again, I'm, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I am, but that's my, my, I, want, I just want to be clear on what we're getting into here, okay? That this is true. Christianity is the most inclusive religion on the planet. It is the most inclusive. Meaning, anyone can belong. Anyone. But while it might be the most inclusive religion on the planet, it also has the most exclusive way to be saved. Jesus already said it. I am the gate. 
those who come in through me will be saved. Perhaps uh, the most famous verse in all the Bible speaks of this, John 3, 16. Jesus says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, that's Jesus, so that everyone, inclusive, who believes in him, exclusive, will not perish, but have eternal life. And perhaps the most exclusive statement and claim Jesus ever made in his teachings found in John 14, verse six, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father, or in other words, no one can be saved except through me. Now listen, this is so important to understand. Some people, and it's a great question, some people might legitimately ask, well, why can't Jesus be a way to be saved? Why does he have to be the only way to be saved? Can't there be more than one way to heaven? More than one way to be saved? Great question, and here's my initial answer, okay? If Jesus is not the only way to be saved, then he is not even a way to be saved. Let me say it again. If Jesus is not the only way, then he cannot even be a way. And here's why. Jesus claimed to be God. Not a God, the only God. And the only way to heaven. Multiple times he claimed this. He, he claimed that he existed before Abraham did that he was the creator of the heavens and, and the earth. I mean, when you look at the claims of Jesus about himself, you're left with only three options. There are only three. Uh, author and theologian C.S. Lewis, the author of the Chronicles of Narnia, he kind of made these three uh, options famous among theologians. Uh, the first one is this. Your first option is, if, if Jesus claimed that, then he was literally out of his mind. He was a lunatic, a madman, that probably in his day should have been locked up for the safety of other people. That's your first option. Because if Jesus was not God in the flesh and the only way to heaven, but he really believed he was, as C.S. Lewis put it, that's on the level of a man who says he is a poached egg. <laughs> that, that based on what Jesus claimed, the first option you have with him is to say he's out of his mind. He's a lunatic. He, he wasn't God, but he really believed he was. Your second option is to say he's a liar. That he actually knew he wasn't even a God but he presented himself to be the God and the only way to heaven. That's, by the way, even scarier than being a lunatic because that would mean that Jesus, Jesus intentionally led people astray by speaking things he knew were not true. Yet even with those first two options, people say things like this. Well, I don't believe that Jesus is God, but I do accept him as a great moral teacher. Really? Because think about this for just a second. He claimed he was God and that he was the only way to get to heaven. 
So if he wasn't God, he was either a lunatic out of his mind and you'd be willing to take life advice from someone who probably should have been locked up for the safety of other people, or he is a liar, outright liar of epic proportions and you want to follow his moral advice? Jesus is either a lunatic and should not be trusted, a liar and should not be followed, or he is who he says he is. God in the flesh, king of all kings, Lord of all lords, and the only way to be saved. As C.S. Lewis put it, you can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Woo. Jesus said, I am the gate. Anyone can come anyone, but you're only saved. You only have life through me. And that life I want to give is a spiritual, eternal life where you will spend it with me forever. If we misunderstand the life Jesus gives, we will miss out on the life he wants us to live. So what should I understand about this life Jesus gives? It's available to anyone but only through one, only through one. And that's why that message will continue to be the center of what we teach here at Element Church, that there is only life in Jesus, only life in Jesus. He then said this at the end of verse nine about these sheep that come in through him. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. We, we love the idea of freedom, don't we? We love the word freely. But again, if we misunderstand the life he gives, we'll miss out on the life he wants us to live. So the second thing I think we have to understand about this life, and this might be more for, for the believers in the room. Maybe if you don't believe yet, you need to understand this as well. Here's the second thing. This life, it provides freedom, but only to follow. It provides freedom, but only to follow. And I understand the contradiction that I'm creating there, but hang with me. Jesus said about these sheep they, that, that enter through him that they will come and go freely and they will find good pastures, life-giving pastures. And why will they find good pastures? Could it be because they have followed the good shepherd? Earlier on in our reading, in verses four and five, we saw Jesus say this, after he, that's the good shepherd, has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they, what? Follow him, because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger, they'll run from him, because they don't know his voice. Then later on in verse 27, we won't read it, but in verse 27 of chapter 10, Jesus defined who his sheep were. He said, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. He defined who his sheep were. 
Listen, when we experience life in Christ, that life gives us a freedom, but it is now a freedom and a power to follow the good shepherd. As my dad said in a sermon right here at Element a few years ago, and I've never forgotten what he said, he said, the freedom we are given in Jesus is not a freedom to do whatever we want. It's a freedom to do whatever we ought. It's a freedom now to do good as we follow the good shepherd. The the, the freedom we are given in Christ is not a freedom to sin. It is a freedom from the power of sin itself. That's the freedom we have. Romans 6, 20 through 23 speaks of this. The apostle Paul said, when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. I think we all know what that's like. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom or death. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. So now by entering through the gate, by faith in Jesus, we are now free to follow the good shepherd and the good shepherd only takes us to good pastures. I hope you know that Jesus does not want to restrict you from experiencing life. He actually wants to release you to experience the full life that only he can give. He alone knows where the good pastures are because he's a good shepherd. And I will only get there if I follow him. And listen, listen, if you are unwilling to follow the good shepherd, you will always be unfulfilled with the places you choose to graze. That was some good preaching right there. If you refuse, and you can, if you refuse to follow the good shepherd, you will always be unfulfilled with the places you choose to graze because they aren't life-giving pastures. Here at Element, the life we want you to experience does not end once you're saved. That's just the beginning. Doesn't end by putting your faith in Jesus. True life, life to the fullest, happens when we choose to follow Jesus and live in the freedom that only he can give. Jesus will never force you to follow him. He won't because he loves us. But by faith in him, we now have the freedom and power to follow the good shepherd. That brings us to, back to the verse where we started. It's the verse that drives our vision here at Elements, why we exist. John 10, verse 10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, let that sink in. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Life to the full. If we misunderstand the life Jesus gives, we'll miss out on the life he wants us to live. So what should we understand about this life Jesus gives? It's available to anyone, but only through one. It's, it offers freedom, but it's a freedom to follow. And number three, lastly, it fully satisfies, but only in the spirit. It fully satisfies, 
but only in the Spirit. We, we read verse 10, and we hear phrases like full life or rich and satisfying life. And in our humanness, even for those of us who, who already believe, in our humanness, we can very easily jump to worldly riches and worldly satisfaction. We can very easily say things like, well, if I just believe in and follow Jesus, I will have a peaceful and problem-free life. I will have plenty of resources. I'll experience pleasure, maybe power and prestige if I just believe in Jesus, whatever it is. But that's not the rich and satisfying life Christ is talking about. Like, listen, Jesus is not against any of those things. I think he, he's for us. Experiencing all of those things I, I just mentioned, as long as those things are experienced in the good pastures of following him. As long as they are experienced in a way that's for the good of God and the good of others. Okay, I think God's all for us experiencing those worldly things, but that's not what Jesus came to give. We might want to experience those things. We might even think Jesus should allow us to experience those things. But all those things are temporary. They are of this world. All those things can be taken away. All of them. A rich and satisfying life, life to the fullest, is not a life that has all the world's desires. It is a life that is satisfied fully, even if it has none of the world's desires. It's a life so fully satisfied in Christ that no matter what happens in the flesh, my spirit can be satisfied fully in Christ. Life to the full, abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. That listen, church, Jesus wants to root his life so deep into your heart that not even death itself can touch it. Not the threat of death to yourself. And listen, not even the death of those around me who I love the most. That not even death can touch the life that Jesus wants us to live in. Why do we exist as a church? We exist to guide people to experience that kind of life. Life to the fullest in Christ. What should we know about that life? It's available to anyone, but only through one. There's only one way. It's a freedom to follow. He offers freedom, but it's to follow. And this life he gives, it fully satisfies. But not, not out here satisfies in here that not even death itself can touch the life that Jesus gives. So I just want you to just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. And I want you to reflect on those three things. Maybe you're here and you're a believer and you've misunderstood some things about the life of Jesus. Maybe you misunderstood. He's not just a way, he's the only way. 
And you've been miscommunicating that to other people. Maybe you misunderstood. There, there's freedom. It's not a freedom to just go do whatever you want. It's a freedom to do what you ought. By the power of Jesus in you, now you can follow him to good pastures. Or maybe you thought, man, Jesus now should be giving me all these worldly things. I'm not experiencing life, but that's not the life he came to give. He wants to satisfy your spirit, not your flesh. So Lord, I just move in our hearts right now. Lord, for, for those of us who believe, if we've misunderstood your life, Lord, I pray that you'd correct our hearts right now. I pray there'd be some Christians in this room who are doing some, some work with you. That your life would be so deeply rooted in their hearts that not even death itself could touch it. But the reality is all, all of that life, it starts by entering through the gate, through Jesus. Another one of our core values here is if only for the one that we do all we can to reach as many as we can and we celebrate every one. So we're gonna give you the chance to put your faith in Jesus today. If you've never entered through the gate by faith in Jesus, you can do that right now. You can say this prayer silently in your heart. You can say it out loud if you'd like to. This prayer does not save you. Jesus saves you by faith in him. This prayer just expresses that. Father in heaven, I right now understand the life you give. I may not comprehend it all, but I understand it. That it only comes through Jesus. So Jesus, I believe in you that you are God in the flesh, savior of the world. You died for my sins and rose from the dead, so I confess all my sins to you. Please wash me clean, make me new, forgive me of every sin. I repent, I turn from my old life. By your power now, Lord, I choose to follow you. Come into my heart, wash me clean, make me new, give me power to follow you to good pastures. Put your life down deep into my heart so much so that death can't even touch it. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you prayed that prayer, you are among family. I think there's something very... Um, very strengthening to your faith when you acknowledge it. You don't have to, but I think it's good. And this is the safest place you'll ever acknowledge your faith in Christ. And so if you are here and you just prayed that prayer, um, we really do want to encourage you and celebrate with you. Would you do something very bold, but very safe? Just lift up your hand and say, yep, that's me. I just asked Jesus into my heart and I want to see you. If that's you, anybody say that's you. I don't want to miss anybody. Praise God right there. Welcome to the family. Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. I don't want to miss anybody. All right, praise God. Did I, somebody out over here? Praise God right there. Welcome to the family of God. Welcome, amen. Amen. Listen, that's why we do what we do. We do all we can to reach as many as we can, and we celebrate every single one. And if you put your faith in Jesus just now, so proud of you, and your Father in heaven, so proud of you. And we want to walk with you. And so you can pick up a Next Steps devotional. It's called 21. It's absolutely free. It will help you take your next steps now as you follow him. 
Because as you, as you just learned, the journey just started now. It didn't end, it started. And now you got to follow him. And so we want to help you do that with that devotional. Ask for it out in the lobby. They're totally free. And we will give you one today. Uh, let me pray for us and then remain seated. Uh, got a few closing remarks. God, thank you so much for life. Lord, Jesus, we just read about how you, you taught I am the gate and we saw people walk through the gate. Lord, that's incredible. We are literally living scripture in this moment. Lord, that, let that not be lost on us. That you are still the gate. You are still the only way. And you are still the author of life. And spirits came alive today in this place. Lord, thank you. Thank you that we're a part of that. Lord, I pray for those new believers that they would be walking with you now. Lord, I pray for all of us when we fall, we get back up and be walking with you by your spirit. Lord, help us understand the life you give and live in it. I pray for a life that not even death itself can touch. We love you, God. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.